Hello! Welcome back to the Granite Zero podcast. Before we kick off, like always, I want to take a quick minute to talk about our sponsor, Kent CBD. As you know, from day one, I've been an advocate for CBD because it helps with so many different things. Whether it's mental health issues, depression, anxiety, PTSD, eating disorders, sleep disorders, the list can go on and on and on. Not only that, it can help with muscle inflammation, it can help with aches and pains in your joints, ligaments. It just really is a superb product and it's scientifically proven to work. So why aren't you using it? What I use is Kent CBD. Now I use their muscle rubs for the aches and pains in my muscles and joints, especially my ankles, knees, and now my knuckles for some reason. Um, but yeah, it really helps ease all the tension, the pressures, and, and just the pain within my joints and, and ligaments, which is awesome. But I also use the CBD oil. I, I use it to help with any sort of anxious feelings that I have. It also helps with my depression. So that is one thing that I really do say to use is definitely the oil. I take it before I go to bed normally because it helps me uh, relax into a lovely deep sleep. So what I could do for you guys is I can give you 10% off. All you've got to do at checkout, promo code GRANITE0 and get yourself 10% off. You're welcome. Joining me today is an army veteran who is also a former Royal Marine, also a special boat service medic. But not only that, he's an ambassador, an advocate for Roxa Recovery and Reorg Charity, Royal Marine Charity. But mainly people will know him for being on Britain's Got Talent. He is the magic marine, and he is fucking brilliant. So without further ado, welcome to the Granite Zero podcast, James Stott. Check it out. Hello, mate. Welcome to the Grand Zero podcast. Hello, man. How's it going? Yeah, really good, mate. Really good. So what's this, like the third time we've attempted to get you on? Oh, I, I don't know. What... I don't know. I have quite a fluid life and things do seem to seem to change a lot. Yeah, I, well, to be fair, probably the best way to be, isn't it? Scooby yeah, do, do you know, I'm, like, I'm, I'm sort of, um, 
I'm after a bit of stability and consistency now. I'm really wanting to to build a solid base, but it's not going to be happening anytime soon. <laughs> to be fair, I think that's what most military guys want is a is a structure. Yeah, so we're constantly told what to do, where to go. Be at the armory for three o'clock to leave for fucking eight o'clock. <laughs> yeah. No, I think well, no, I think structure routine. It's um, like we're creatures of habit, so it's it's definitely an important thing to have to have that thing that that just that consistent routine. It's um, it provides a lot. It's one of the things I didn't realize that I'd lose when I left the military. Um, I was sort of everyone's focused on right. I'm not going to be getting paid every month, Um, but yeah, you you sort of don't you don't really contemplate that you're not going to have the structure, and then. When you're left to your own devices, you you can very easily just get sort of cognitive fatigue because you're trying to make you tr- everything you're you're sinking a lot of attention into. Yeah, definitely, hundred um, percent. It's a weird, a weird thing, and it's one of those ones that sort of sneaks up on you as well. I, it was the same with me when I first left. It took me, well, to be fair, it was only a couple of months before I got my first job, which was an awful one. I did security for the Kent Training School for the Police. It was a bizarre place to work, but I was literally just walking around doing nothing. Like, but, but in the time period that I went from leaving military to that, I was like, "What am I? What am I doing? What? <laughs> I need someone to tell me what to do in the morning. Like, do what? Do, what time have I got to go for breakfast?" <laughs> do you know? Do you know what? I've um this year I'm, I'm coming like this close to actually getting a job. I keep thinking about it. <laughs> getting an actual job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What, what yeah. I didn't realise about you was until I, I read a bit through your on your website, your bio, I didn't realise you were in the, the army first. Didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was... Do you know what? Well, that was is, is a daft thing, really, because um, it was mainly because I didn't think I was good enough for the Marines. Um, and so instead of trying, I just wrote it off because I was young. Um, I didn't have that confidence. I thought, oh, the, the Marines is too hard. Uh, I'll just go... I'll go that direction. And and I guess the people around me at the time and they were they were moving in that direction. And it just seemed that was an easier option. Yeah. Um and then it wasn't until it was like I I did that tour of Iraq in 2004. And I remember looking around at the, the people around me and I, I just kind of felt um no, nah, I want to do I want to do more than this. I want to, yeah. you know. I got you. Yeah. It's it's as though um it was like a like a to be a bit cheesy, a bit more of a higher calling. Like this isn't the role I'm supposed to be doing. I should be doing something more. Yeah, I'll... I mean, it was it was two sides as well because obviously um, I, there were times when I think I was 19 when I was in Iraq and I was a mini me gunner on the snatch Land Rovers in in Basra city centre, um, and we got you know IDF'd a lot, um, get getting attacked and. I, I just remember there were, time, there were times when I was looking around going, what am I doing? Where, where am I? Like, I was so naive as to what, where I'd gone. Um, yeah, yeah. So there were times when, it, when it, was, it was difficult, but yeah, there were, there were other times when I felt I, I want to give the, the Marines a shot. Yeah. I, 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 speaking of IDF, I remember my first attack. We we're, were in Basra and we, we, hadn't, we hadn't been in on... on on the ground for for long and uh i literally was going with me mate ginge and we went off to the uh, internet cabin just to send a couple of emails on rascal fucking msn went in there with all the all the yanks 
obviously the fucking siren starts going. I'm like, ah, it's just a test in it. Next thing you know, you hear the fucking ground shake. Look, I've never moved so fast in my life. I was under the fucking table. And I was like, fuck, we're, we're in the shit here. And then I was like, right, cool, we've done that now. And it's as though the more you got them during the tour, the less bothered you were. Like, the amount of times that it was going off and I was just like, yeah, okay, here's another one. It's either going to hit you or it isn't. I said to me, Mrs. I was like, she was like, do you not get scared towards the end? I was like, no, it's just a common occurrence. Like, so if it hits yeah. the tent, I'm dead. So it's a, it's a weird thing. I remember when uh, we, we took over from Two Para in, in Afghan in 2008. And, and I was, I think I'd gone out as like an advance party and I was on patrol with the Paras. And, um, I remember, obviously, the the IED threat had gone up massively. And I was just watching the bloke in front of me. I was, I was watching where he was putting his feet. I was covering my arcs. And I was really, really, really sort of alert and alert, but with the heat and with the kit and the, the time out on the ground and then the scrapping, you, I, I realised you can't operate at such a high level sustainably. Like, I can't be watching where he's putting his feet. I can't be covering my arcs. I can't be watching watching yeah, over yeah. here and, and doing all the stuff I need to be doing because it's too fatiguing. And it's like, if I tread on something, I tread on something and that's it. Like, I, there's nothing yeah, yeah. I can do about it. Um, and you just, I think just you have to accept the situation. Um, it, it, it's it's funny how little um, tendencies like that creep in throughout the, throughout the tour. Like you said, the, the amount of kit that you carry the weight of it for a start. I remember wearing my kit once. We went up Three Mile Mountain in Calf. We came back. I was like, oh, I need to weigh this fucking kit. This is ridiculous. <laughs> With, because uh, I had a UGL on my rifle, all my bomb, um, all the other crap that you have to carry for no reason. And I remember putting it down. It was 135 pounds. That's like a nine stone person. And I was like, I'm right. carrying that up, <laughs> up a mountain. And I still remember today, our, our boss was like, we need to go up there. There could be a threat up there. And I went, there's no threat up that mountain. <laughs> there's no threat up the mountain. We need to make sure they're not... La- Why would they be laying IDs up a mountain? They're not going to do that. You want to go up there to take some alley photos. We know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, it's mad. The, the weight, the weight's ridiculous. Yeah, like I had um, that little... Uh, it sort of went out of service. I think a 51 mil mortar. So just a small mortar, mortar tube, mm. little base plate, and um, a few bombs. <laughs> uh, yeah. But man, like if I'll, I'll walk around London now with a day sack with a bit of magic kit in it, and I'll be dripping in my head like, ah, oh, this bag, <laughs> this bag yeah. weighs a ton. I was like, I, I, no way, I, I could no way near carry the weight that I used to carry. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you mean, mate. I do, I, I do it every now and then at work. Um, I've got a nice little route that I can I can do a little fucking tab round. So I'll put on me my weighted vest, ten kilos. I think I've got uh, another ten or so kilos in in my day sack. I put it on. I'm like, this is fucking heavy. This is really heavy. And I remember like doing the different fitness tests, and they're they're about that weight, if not a bit more. And I was like doing a speed march at that fucking level. Like, and I was like. Why am I so hanging? I'm hanging out. I've only done 4K. This is ridiculous. <laughs> no five mile of death. Put it that way. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. One thing I do want to like sort of touch on, because I read it again, going through your bio, was um, 
coming to grips with the with the passing of your dad. So obviously, I, I've spoke about it briefly on on the podcast. Like um, nobody really teaches you how to deal with with grief. Mm. Uh, how how did that sort of like impact you? Because obviously, you were going were you, were you were going through SBS selection at that time, were you? Or I put off. Um... So like I I'd, I'd put in for the the SF medic um, course and I got that got deferred from because I went home on compassionate leave. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, losing my dad was the biggest had the biggest impact. It's the one thing that's had the biggest impact on my life and the direction of my life. Um, and that's the same, especially for my little brother as well. We lead sort of parallel lives to to some extent. Nothing prepares you for it. Um, at the time when my dad got ill, um, or was diagnosed that he was he was ill, um, I'd just come back from Norway, and I would, I was really at the time I was really itchy to to deploy, and I just wanted to go anywhere. And I'd spoke to to this guy on on camp saying, "Look, just send me anywhere." And um, I was meant to be going out to Mali to to teach the Malian army out there. Um, I'd found out that my dad was ill and I was just doing the last bits. It was my last day on camp before I went up to, to four or five to join, join the lads up there. And I spoke to my Sergeant Major and, and he was looking at me and he's like, you know, what's the matter? And then as soon as I tried to sort of mention it, oh, my, everything's cool, but my dad's, my dad's ill. Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of wobbled a little bit and he's like, all right, before you leave camp, just touch base with, with the welfare officer. And obviously this was the first time I'd ever gone down to the welfare office it's like a big stigma attached to yeah, going there, there in the first place yeah. like, no one no one wants to go down there um i went down um and again it's just the same sort of thing like <laughs> right let's get it straight i'm okay but this is the situation and yeah. literally i just broke <laughs> i just broke and the guy the guy said look let's just hold you back from this deployment we can yeah. we can put someone else in place um let's let's send you home on compassionate leave um and so we're, we're, my dad's situation was he was diagnosed uh, with, with cancer and it was the time it was diagnosed, it was it was spread throughout his body. So they didn't yeah. know what the primary primary uh, cause was. And it was it was, a I think, 10 weeks uh, until he passed. And it was man, it was super hard. And it's it's been only only very recently. Um, I was with one of the one of the lads, one of the uh, an SB lad, and he sort of mentioned to me and my bro. He's like, "I can see that you still, you've got <laughs> you've got an issue here that needs yeah. resolving." Um, and so I think that was maybe last month, and I've really just tried to kind of be open about talking about it. It was that's, that's I was thinking this is this has been it was 2013, so nine years it shouldn't be this raw. It shouldn't be this hard for me to talk about it. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, so yeah, we, my dad passed um, and that really, that changed my perspective on, on life, on what was important and what, what I was, what I was yeah. doing. Um, That's awesome. Well, it's not awesome, but it is awesome that you've now come to the stage where you're like, I need to talk about it. So I've, I've said um, to a few people that have, have lost close relatives and loved ones and whatnot, and I was like, 
we're not taught how to deal with it. Most of the time we'll try and be strong and bottle it up and go, no, I'm going to deal with it. So-and-so wouldn't want me to be like this. But in turn, it's like, you've got to take every day as it comes. Some days you're going to be all right. Some days mm. you're just going to be in fucking shit state. I've been there where I've been fine. Oh, it seems to have passed now. And then the next day, fucking hell. And then it gradually... Like, Song comes on the radio. Yeah, oh, it could be anything. So, and and it, just, it just breaks you. And you're you. like, fuck. <laughs> like, what, one of my ones is... Um, is it one more one more light by uh, Lincoln Park? It's, uh, it's about obviously his friend that took his own life, and then you know that comes on. I think about my one of my pals took his own life, um, and I'm mm. like, oh, fucking hell! I so I thought I've got. It's like Jesus, but every every day is a new day, and you got to just take it in your stride. And if you're having a shit day, you're having a shit day. It's not. It's not. It's not like it's supposed to be nice, is it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, life. Life doesn't stop. Like it does, just keep going. Um, I think that's where, yeah, having structure, having other things in place, definitely keep you going. It's it's not good to sit there. Um, yeah, and and I think I mean obviously we lost we lost lads um, out on tour. Um, I've carried lads back. Um, who've been killed. And I remember like looking like as I'm carrying, carrying them on, on a poncho, just sort of looking at them thinking, what is going on here? I had some like hard times and losing my dad, which is one of the most inevitable things that's going to happen in life. Really, really hit me so hard. And it's like, like you say, no one, no one gives you a little heads up and says, right, (laughs) you're going to lose your parents. This is the natural way of things. Like it's a lot better that he didn't carry my coffin. Yeah, yeah I've yeah, been killed on tour. Mean, like yeah. it's it's a, this is this is the the natural way of of things. Um, but no one gives you a heads up and says, "Listen, this is really going to knock you. This is going to be hard." Um, yeah. You know, you know. But I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe you couldn't prepare anyone for that. No, I th- I, I think you're right on that on that aspect of it. I think you can give them the little nudge to say, "Look." This is gonna be shit for however long. It could it could be shit forever. You yeah, know, it depends how you take it. But but I think it's just being there for them in those moments of grief, because everybody mm. will grieve differently. Some people might it might just shrug off and be all right. Other people could be fucking completely broken for months, years. Could it? They may never recover from it. It's it's. It's a tricky subject and it's a hard subject to talk about, which mm. I'm actually quite chuffed that you've actually been quite open chatting about that. I mean, if, we, just, if we chat last year, I kind of just <laughs> fucking uh, kind of just sprung that on you there. I didn't even think. I thought, yeah, no, last there have been, do you know what? It was, I think it was the very first, first podcast I did. Um, the guy it was, it was with a guy called Mark Whittle on the Take Flight podcast. And he he mentioned oh, my, my dad. And we were like, we were sitting opposite each other. Um, and literally, like I was, as soon as I went to talk about it, I started welling up. And then I could yeah. see him welling up. And it was a very, you can kind of hear it on, on the podcast, but it, it wasn't, yeah, it was it was very hard. And like I say, it was, it was only a month ago that, that one of these, one of the guys said to me, you've still got some, you've got some issues with, with this. You need to, um, 
and so then I've just tried to really relax around it and to and to be open about it yeah. um, and and to talk about it as well so and to try and talk about it unemotionally um like this is this is what happened um but, but yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm glad I sprung that one on you <laughs> yeah thanks mate thanks <laughs> you're welcome good morning to you yeah. happy, happy Thursday <laughs> yeah do you know I I, I was trying to I, was, I had like a little uh, a point on that I was just trying to get it but I think it's faded away um but I think yeah just so I've, I've got a friend who's who's in the in the situation now his oh, his yeah. his mum has been diagnosed and 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 so like I'm just trying to be mindful of every now and then just checking in with him yeah. but not being too heavy not you know because this is I think this is probably the first kind of traumatic thing that he's yeah. had to deal with um I know he likes to drink a beer and you know he, and I'm just saying yeah that's one of the ones you don't watch as well don't go yeah, too crazy yeah, with those just, beverages like I think it's it's just just try like I know that if I if I drank a load of load of beer, ate a pizza, stayed up late night watching shit TV, I would feel I would feel rubbish the next day. Yeah. So it's just trying to do the little things to try and keep you don't want to be doing anything that's going to be making you feel loads worse, but then also you do need a bit of a blowout. Oh, I agree you know, you on do that need one. some escapism. Yeah. Um we need it, we need emotional state change and for, for me, where, where I'm at now, I try and get my, I still get lost in my head a lot. I'll try and get my, I was in the, the river swale this morning and I feel loads better for that. Like I'll, I'll, I will try and get that emotional state change from in the cold water, I was about breathing, to say, I that meditation. Was, but that um, was a shock to the system. It was fresh. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> as opposed to, <laughs> <laughs> well, I try, I try and get it from something that's like a, a better source than let's say, alcohol which is yeah, yeah. you know it's a guaranteed emotional state change but then it has got a you know yeah. there's a little bit more of a negative impact on on that as well yeah i think alcohol is at some at sometimes it's fucking awesome because you're having a good time you're having a good party but it is it is a devil in disguise like i'm i i like a tipple but if i have too much of one particular drink it's usually whiskey whiskey is my drink um I can either go from being life and soul of the party to an absolute cunt. Like <laughs> just that that's the best way to fucking label it. Just an absolute cunt. I'm either arguing with the missus or trying to have a fight with someone in a bar or something like that, which is one of the reasons why I try and stay away from whiskey when I'm in the pub. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's a good, it's a, I mean, there's yeah, it's sort of too, too good reasons to try and stay, yeah, from, the, stay away the, from it in the shed yeah, well, i'm all right i'll get it and i'll fucking get in the house i'm a bit pissed just fall asleep snoring but if i yeah in the pub if, if i've had too many of them and someone says the wrong thing i'm like but whatever do you know what i mean where where did the love for magic come in um do you know what i think the, like that's got to be the big question isn't it i have got the magic marine on <laughs> how, how old are you I am 35. So when, when you were a little lad, five years old or something, like I bet you enjoyed magic back then. Like when I when oh, I was yeah. a kid, I, I, I liked magic. It, it sort of in, interested me. But also back then it was it was your Paul Daniels. And I was so I was one of the smallest in the year. 
born July the 30th. So I was, I was one of the youngest, one of the smallest in the year. Um, and I didn't really want to be drawing any other attention of being weird with doing magic. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> I, I, I liked it as yeah. a kid, but I kind of left it alone. You know, I did, I, I sort of got a little magic set and I dabbled a little bit, but I didn't really, I didn't do much with it. It wasn't until I was probably 22, um, as in the Marines, as I put four or five commando, and I saw a guy doing some sleight of hand magic. And then this is the first time I'd seen sleight of hand as a skill set. Up until that point, I'd seen guys performing magic tricks with trick cards. Yes. But to actually see a skill set, sleight of hand, where it was a normal deck of cards, yet one card was visibly changing into another card. And I was like, how is this happening? This is ridiculous. This is the best thing I've seen. And I got really, really hooked on it. And I started practicing with the cards and this guy was was super helpful he gave me a book that taught me card handling how to fan a deck of cards how to shuffle some some basic sleight of hand tricks um and it's it's one of those things that i just kept coming back to kept coming back to and i guess the military is a good place for honing a skill because you have time to, to be able to practice yeah, so yeah. the cards would be sat on the windowsill and then every now and then i pick them up and start you know, trying to do a fan, trying to do some some cool shuffling. Um, and then I'd say to the lads, hey, check this out. And I'd, I'd try and do a trick on, on them. And over my my career in the military, uh, I guess I just naturally progressed just through repetition. Um, and then it got to the point where I was asked to, to go around the tables at the officer's mess. They're having a charity dinner um, or a Christmas party. I started getting asked to do events. And then when I was getting asked to do events, I thought, well, I need to kind of put put together better routines. And then I was actively searching for better stuff and watching other magicians. Um, so it was kind of something I just kept dipping back into. Uh, and when I left, that's really when people were asking if I could come do some magic. And I was I was free to be able to say yes to everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then I just started. And I'd worked out in the Pyrenees a little bit at a, sort of this uh, an ex-bootneck had set up an adventure center out there and i i performed magic out out there just showing showing the, the the guests we had and as we were talking late into the night one of the guys was asking me he was interested about the marines he was asking me about iraq about afghan and it was an observation that he made that i i, I was unaware of but he said every time you're talking about afghan or or whatever you're you're cutting and shuffling the cards and i realized that i was also i must have used magic throughout my career as a as a little bit of an outlet of mm -hmm. cutting and shuffling and kind of this this itchy angst inside me yeah, yeah, from, like, a, like an anxiety tick it's sort of yeah yeah i, I get what and you i guess you, you you access almost almost like a flow state where i would be trying to practice you know flicking a card catching it spinning it around and and I would sit there and then after X amount of time, I'd look up and it would be, it'd be dark outside and it'd be the middle of the night. And I'd, I'd been lost in, in that. Um, so I think it was, you know, it was kind of therapeutic. It was, it was probably, it was probably more beneficial to me at that time than I, than I, I give credit to it. That's awesome. Um, that is awesome to be fair. It's, it's amazing when you get in involved in something that, puts you into that like you said flow state and, yeah and gets you 
focusing on something else rather than anything else, if that makes sense. You've got all yeah. the crap, the chaos on, on this side and it's going crazy, but you're focusing on something and it's it's though you're semi-meditational state where you're clearing your thoughts, clearing your mind, but also focusing on something else. Yeah. That's, that's fucking awesome. I think I think it's important to have things like that. I used to I used to swim a lot, um, mm. and I found that swimming, I guess, because you you can only breathe. It's a regular breathing pattern because of breathing, you know, every yeah, third yeah. stroke or yeah, whatever yeah. It is um, that you then sort of access that kind of state. And and surfing as well, um, I like to surf a lot. I think these. I think it's important to do something that. You, hooks you into the present where you just are concentrating on what's what's right there um i mean motorbiking as well when you're flat out <laughs> as it were you, you your yeah. concentration is is pretty high I've, got, I've only ever ridden a uh i've only ever ridden a moped which was my brother's and it's one of the funniest things ever oh i just wasn't expect i wasn't expecting how much of an acceleration this thing had and I'm yeah. sat on it, and I've got the brake, I've got the throttle, I've got the brake, I let go, and the fucking thing just went flying, and I'm still holding on to it, but it's gone up this fucking fence, fucking going all over the shop. My brother is literally just on the floor, pisses, going, what are you doing? Uh, I, went, I don't know, I've never used one before. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a classic, God help me if classic. I got onto a fucking normal, a normal motorbike, I think I'd probably die, which is... <laughs> <laughs> which is why I'm probably never going to do it. But you, uh, you, you dabble in a bit of uh, jujitsu as well, don't you? From what I've seen, with the yeah. New York boys. Yeah, I, I love I love jujitsu, but I don't want to be, I don't want to be that novice spouting out about the benefits of BJJ. <laughs> like <laughs> I will say that it has, yeah, it has been very beneficial to my life and my brother's life. And yeah. essentially, as, again, it's as another I, another good focus thing to do, um, and very humbling. I, I've, I've again, I'm similar to you. I've dabbled. I'm not. I'm not going to say I regularly partake. Um, I dabble in it, and every time I get fucking humbled by someone who is <laughs> like half my size. Um, yeah, the, the, I've said I've said it on here loads of times. Like the the guy that I train with, he's a purple belt, and um, he he's got to be at least twenty, if not thirty, kilos lighter than me. But it feels like it's completely the other way around. Yeah, and he just yeah. fucking destroys me, and I'm like, I've in real life, I must have been murdered by this guy about six times if he had <laughs> held onto that choke a little bit longer. It's so humbling. I'm but I remember every time I finish, I'm like, oh, I need to get back in and do it again. But life gets in the way from time to time. Yeah. Well, we, the thing is, we, we were chatting about this last night, actually. And uh, my brother's he's an intelligent chap. And he was kind of saying, because our body has these inbuilt reward systems. So every now and then, either for survival, but yeah, for either, either running away for something or capturing, capture, capturing something, we need to have bursts of energy. We need to be able to sprint. Now, in in today's sort of in day to day life, if someone said, "Right, sprint from here to there," you, you you're probably going to say, 
nah, <laughs> I'll just walk. <laughs> um, so it's very hard to self-motivate yourself to, to, you know, like output an intense burst of energy because it's it, essentially we have these primal mechanisms to conserve energy. But at some point, we might need to run away from, from whatever it is. And so we have a reward system and we, we get a, a release of endorphins for doing that. And I think something like jujitsu, it, it, it makes you operate at such an intense level, but you, you don't sort of notice it. So then afterwards, you're still getting the endorphin release. Yeah, I'll get that. Um, and so you feel really good from it. You, that it's, you've activated that reward system, but you've been so distracted yeah, yeah, yeah. You've, been, <laughs> you've been distracted trying from trying to defend the <laughs> yeah, trying yeah. not to be fucking have your arms snapped off or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah de- definitely. And the thing is that your body, your body, you, as far as your brain is concerned, if someone's if someone's getting a choke on you, um, and they're, they're trying to submit you, as far as your body is concerned, that's happening for real. Yeah. So if you then, after that hour or two hours, you're still living and breathing. As far as your body is concerned, it's like, yes, we've survived. And so anything else you encounter in that day, it's like, ah, doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, oh, I've got a tax bill. That doesn't matter. This is nothing. So yeah. it kind of, it puts perspective into your life. Um, and I think as well, it's, it's one of those things where you're in, a, it, you're in an uncomfortable position. A lot of the time you're in an uncomfortable position and you have to just come back to yourself and think, what can I do to make this a little bit more bearable? Am I, can I breathe? Okay. Right. First trying. Okay. I can still breathe. I'm okay. Now can I change my position slightly? Can I, can I progress this position? And it's the same, the same with life in that we'll often be in an uncomfortable situation or position and just bringing the focus back to the self. Like how, how can I get through this? Like breath, breath works a, a big thing as well. Um, oh, yeah. But I think yeah, jujitsu has has a lot of benefits to it. Um, Sam Sheriff, who created Real, introduced me to it in two thousand nine, up at four five, um, and I was like, nah, not interested. Every you know, every morning I, I wouldn't be able to move my head, and I, I I didn't understand what it was. And obviously, in hindsight, I wish I'd started. Yeah, know, um, I, I was a, twelve I was years a, ago. I, I didn't really, I didn't dabble in any sort of. I was always a boxer. Boxing was my outlet. If I was going to the gym, I'd always finish off weight session with boxing. That was my cardio. I'd go and beat the fuck out of a bag for an extra 20 minutes. And it wasn't until uh, when we went to Bastion on my last tour, it was um, like the UFC was starting to get big. People were talking a bit more about... um, jiu-jitsu and and things like that and I, I dabbled a little bit out there and when I got home I joined a MMA gym um in Bury St Edmunds did a bit then and then before I knew it I was I was leaving and I was moving down to Kent with the missus and I was like I need to find something to to do and I, I just never managed to find one that suited me that was close. I was like, I'm not traveling into yeah. London to do it. I could because it's only 45 minutes away, but nah. And I just sort of, just sort of dissipated a bit. But it's one of those, 
oh, I wish I'd done that when I was a kid. Like having, yeah. having some sort of submission game could have worked wonders <laughs> on nights out when I was getting my head kicked in. <laughs> well, I just I just read yesterday, and I don't know how true the stat is, but it says ninety five percent of street fights end up on the ground. Um, you know, so that I mean, I think that's that's a little bit um, optimistic, but I think definitely having some ground ground game is yeah. essential. Um, and it, you know, it's it, yeah, like we could talk jits all day i think uh, you probably <laughs> um, could yeah <laughs> but this is what i mean i don't want to be i don't want to be this no, no, no. Novice I, know, I know what you mean i know what, how... i know what you're saying i know what you're saying um one thing i do want to sort of ask you because obviously it was a, a massive stage and a massive thing in in your life and obviously that's britain's got talent now that was obviously i can't remember what, what year was it it was 2020, so it was as we we filmed the auditions in February, and then obviously we went into. Oh yeah, I was going to say because you had you had a crowd, didn't you? Yeah, and, yeah, and, and and whatnot. I remember I remember seeing it and going, "That's that's fucking awesome." <laughs> how did how did you get yourself like in the right sort? Because you must have had nerves because you obviously you're performing in front of I don't Two, know how many two thousand people. 2,000 people plus yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be streamed. On 12 million. 12, 12 million. Just, yeah. just a couple of people watching you perform. Um, which <laughs> is what it is. You're, you're going to get, you're going to get about five people watching this. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but how did you, how did you like focus and get yourself in, in, well, you say game mode, like, mm. Yeah, it it was um, I was I was very out of my comfort zone, you know, to be performing in front of that amount of people, to walk out on stage, and to have, you know, Simon Cowell just judging you because he's he's known for being blunt. Yeah. Um, he's seen this was I think this was the fourteenth show, and obviously they've got America's Got Talent as well. Yeah, yeah. He's seen a lot of magicians and part of me was almost like apologetic like oh sorry simon i'm a magician i'm gonna do some magic i know you i know you hate this but yeah he doesn't here like we are. Are. <laughs> yeah that was one of the things um, he said something like that to me oh, another magician yeah so it was it was very daunting um and i had i had very little time to prep so i didn't know that i was i was gonna go on the show we didn't know how like it all happened quite quickly and I had a, a call from a guy who said, let's, let's work together on this routine. And he's, he's a, a magic advisor and he helped me, helped me out. And we sort of created this routine, but he said, he, he phoned me up on the Tuesday and said, can you come to Blackpool on the Friday? And I said, yeah, yeah, that's not a problem. Went over to Blackpool. We're rehearsing through this routine and I knew that I had to be in Manchester on Wednesday. And he, he said, um, well, I said, when I go to Manchester on Wednesday, is that for some mock judges to kind of demo this routine? And, and he said, no, you're in front of Simon Cowell and 2,000 people, you're performing it. And I, I, was, I was like, oh, shit. So the things I, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did, um, I visualised going through the routine. So yeah. I laid out the first, the first part of that was, where I gave Simon Cowell my commando dagger, he put it underneath a paper bag. There were six paper bags upside down on the table and yeah. the dagger was mounted under one of them. 
uh, and I had to determine obviously which one it was under. And so I ran through this routine with little um, kind of little containers. They were like little cupcake pots. Yeah, yeah, I got and I had them turned upside with a drawing pin under one. And I would lay them out and I would just visualize that this was the setup. So I guess a visualization process and going back to the breath work and the meditation, just calming. You can calm your, your state down, your, your physical state through your breath. So anything with your breathing, anything with a longer exhale. So if you inhale for three seconds, exhale for six seconds, anything with a longer exhale stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest. So I will set a time on my phone for five minutes and I'll just sit there with my eyes closed and I'll just count three seconds, inhale, six seconds, outhale, uh, six seconds, exhale, pause, three seconds, inhale. And I'll just go through that and really just try and keep my focus on that counting until the timer goes off. And when the timer goes off, I will feel so much calmer than five minutes before. So um, just doing a breath work like that, the visualization of breath work um, and, and meditation again, similar, similar to that. Um, I was really, really nervous when I walked out onto stage. And if you do watch the video, it looks like I just eyeballing Simon Cowell. I'm just focused. I'm, almost ignoring the situation I'm in yeah. and in my head, I'm just playing through. I'm going to come out here and this is what I'm going to say. Um, and then as the routine went along, the, the sort of, I don't know if you'd call it the, the energy from that crowd is, is so good. And I really started kind of warming up and I really, I really enjoyed it. And at the end I was, I was loving it. And I think yeah. a couple of things to remember Someone, someone had said to my friend when I was talking to my friend and he was in a position where he was speaking and someone had said to him, it's not all about you. You know, we put all this, this self, um, a, lot of, a lot of pressure on ourselves. Yeah, it's yeah. not all about you. And, and then and you've got to think, the 2,000 people there are friends and family of all the other performers. So yeah. everyone is there to support the performers. No one's there to... I had it in my head that they're going to, you, you know, what if I what if I stumble my words? What if I tripped up on stage? Yeah. What if they edit it to make me look like I'm 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 stupid or you know, I was really I was really worried because it's an unnatural place to be. If you're standing like <laughs> yeah. if you're if you're in a situation where you're standing <coughs> in front of two thousand people, um it's it's probably either a very good thing you're a leader or it's a very bad thing you're about to get your head cut off or something like that you know it's yeah. a so it's not it's a natural a, place to be especially with not that at many all. people yeah and considering the act that you did obviously with the commando dagger <laughs> fucking hell i remember watching it and i was with me missus i'm going i'm fucking nervous like and i, I was like i know he's got it all in his head I went, and I know he knows what he's doing. I went, but what was if he fucks up? Yeah. <laughs> this 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 routine. That's a, that's a dagger through the hand. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to hold like a little metal plate, or I wanted to have some kind of safety device mm. so that if I whacked my hand down on that dagger, I would have some sort of something in place. Yeah. Um, but my my admin is not the best. I didn't get anything organized. <laughs> so it worked. But De Devin Brown did it and he he did it with a screw and he got the screw stuck in his hand. It went wrong. 
and he had to have a hand like a surgeon remove this screw from his hand and i'm thinking Devin brown is the best yeah, yeah. and if he if he <laughs> if he messed it up then ah oh, yeah yeah so it, it and, can and it's not like yeah. you're like sort of pressing down Slightly, but it had to be dramatic, didn't it? So I had yeah. to slam, yeah, slam, slam that but hand down. I think that um, was the uh, the best thing about about the act that you did was the fact that everybody was literally on the edge of their seat, even if they're not mm. there just to watch you. They're watching all the acts that come on, but they're all like, "Oh," and I, I find that with quite a few magic magic tricks, especially the ones like that that are dangerous. And you're like, "I can't watch, but I can't not watch." I think yeah. it's awesome. I think it's awesome, but I also like the the like you said the slight hand ones. I love all that because I'm like, how do you do it? <laughs> it's, like, it's not. It's magic's not. Is it real? It must be real. Are they in a in a like a magic circle, and they they're going to Hogwarts or something? Um, but yeah, I I I love all that. I I love it because I can't do it, but I think if I could do it, I'd be like, yeah, whatever. A bit, a bit yeah. like soldiers watching a a war movie. Well, that wouldn't happen. That's <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean. But watching that, I'm I'm in awe. I'm I'm in awe with anyone that's got a talent. If I'm honest, anyone that's got the balls to go on that show as well, even if that, especially the ones that are shit, because you know you're shit. Mm. You've you've made the effort. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> but then yeah. you get the crazy ones like Susan Boyle. I remember watching that in the uh, in the regiment compound in Iraq when Susan Boyle came out and did a Dreams to Dream or whatever it is that song. She came out and all of us went, "What is this? What is that? She's going to be awful." And then all of a sudden, this fucking voice comes out, and you're like, mm. "We're all literally like Simon Cowell." Like that. What? But yeah, fucking in all, mate, in all of of the talent that you've got to be fair and the work that you do. For, Thank you, mate. For, for That's very recovery yeah. as well. I've, I've, I've seen that you've, uh, you help out at rock to recovery doing. doing yeah. It's, um, rock, rock to recovery have, have helped me. They've helped my mates. I think they're a great charity. Um, yeah, yeah. And it was last year. I think, I think last year they were, they asked if I could, get involved a, a little bit more with the events and, yeah. and i'm happy to do that and, and also the, yeah, yeah yeah i've been in comms with charlie um for for a couple of years now um i put on a, a football match charity football match for him i was i was going to be the first one to do a, a, a proper team sport to raise money for him and yeah. because of covid my my event got moved to the following year and in between that space, there was a fucking rugby match. I was like, "Hang on, <laughs> I was supposed to be first. <laughs> nah, but it was it was um, it's it's always a privilege to do something for a cause like Rock to Recovery because I know that they help. They they let me. They're read. very hands on. They're very. They're yes, very, that's they're what very, I was As get. soon as as soon as there's a lad who's yeah, that's what really really not in a good place. They are straight on it. Um, right. Yeah. I've I've personally been to some of the bigger, well-known charities, especially when I first got diagnosed with my PTSD and depression and all that, and I was in a shit place. I've just yeah. started doing the podcast as my sort of therapy to get me speaking, whether it's just chatting shit about magic or actually talking 
about my issues that this was my therapy and I wanted to do a bit more I wanted to get a bit more guidance a bit more help I spoke to a few of these um other charities I won't name them I have named them before but I think fuck it I'm not going to name them anymore um Mm. and they basically said oh we'll send you a caseworker and I was like cool that's that's something we can get a ball rolling um see if there's any guidance anything like that still waiting for someone to turn up and this has been like three four years now and I was like well yeah I went and did a, a few courses with a friend of mine who started a company called Inner Armour, which is now sort of on the down on the downward. It's, it's sort of finished, which is a shame because his techniques are spot on. Worked closely with a few Royal Marines, um, went went to the camps and did some really good work with them. And then because it's not a hundred percent effective, mm. nobody nobody wanted to back him. I was like, this is a shame because fucking it really is brilliant but anyway um i saw rock to recovery i've spoken to charlie and i was like you guys are you guys are brilliant oh and i'm sort of on my own sort of journey now my own mend but i see that you guys put in so much work to help so many but even whether it's the families of struggling veterans or families of veterans that are struggling themselves because they couldn't cope with their loved ones being on deployment in in the past it's like you guys, and it's not just military veterans either. It's police, fire service. They're, they're just brilliant. So uh, yeah, uh, there's there's a couple of reasons why why we sort of you could, there are a lot of charities out there, and there's a lot of veterans charities and and that sort of stuff. And you you, I think it's hard if you're trying to support everyone. Um, and obviously with with Rock, so we we me and my bro, we we support Rock and we support Rio. They're the sort of two charities that we selected. Yeah. Um, rock's very hands-on especially with treatment um and and getting you know when things are super bad um they're straight in there and reorg the whole thing with reorg is for guys that have like like me we've left left the military left that tribe dispersed back into the country and then living somewhere lonely and you know not yeah not, yeah i know what you mean it's, it's it's introducing you back into a community back into a yeah. tribe back into something that's very physical very primal and then all the benefits that that go along with that um and and yeah that's i think that's that's very important uh, so i want to spread the word of of reorg and yeah, jiu-jitsu yeah. like where every yeah. time i travel I, I, everywhere i am i'm trying to roll um and i'll take if there's lads that I'm meeting up with who haven't rolled before, I've got, I've got spare gear and I was like, let's, let's go find somewhere. Let's have a roll and introducing them to jujitsu. Um, and then, like I say, yeah, rock, rock is there for when things are, are bad. Yeah, it is. There's, there are good charities out there. There are some shit ones out there, but yeah. it is, it, there's, a, there's a lot, right. There, there is a lot, there is a lot of support and there is a lot of help. Um, but it is really that at some point you've you've got to just take it on yourself and do the yeah. work, and it's and I, it's I very hard that. getting to that that point. And I think yeah. probably probably because of the conditioning from the military, where you give it, you're giving your your uniform, you're giving your timings, you're giving your scran, and then you've got to it's off your own back now, and the ball's in your court. But you've got to start. You've got to put the work in and sometimes it takes it takes us a little bit of time to realize that 
no one's coming to help us. Yes. Like, no one's coming to help you. You've got to, yeah. you've got to do it yourself. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah. It, t- it took me a while to, to understand that. I, I was, mm. I was always, I'm fine. I'm okay. And deep down I wasn't, I was, I was in shit state. Um, but, whether it's um, I was too proud or I think more, it was more not that I was too proud to say anything. I think it was more scared to say I had a problem Mm. because I was always um, the strong, the strong one in the family, a bit like I was saying earlier, I'm not going to show you any emotion. If, if, if a friend passes away or, or a loved one passes away, I'm just going to be stoic and, not show any emotion um, until I've had a drink and then I'm a fucking a mess. But yeah, I, I really, I really struggled. It wasn't, I've said it on here before and it's in my book. Um, the sort of mo I had a massive argument with my missus and we were on a, on a very rocky path, should I say? And it, it wasn't, it was nothing down to her. It was literally me pushing everyone away. And then, my eldest found me in the, in the kitchen on the floor and I was in bits, fucking tears everywhere. And she literally put her forehead against mine and said, daddy, it's fine. We're, I love you. We're going to be fine. Mm. And I was like, ah, yeah, I've, I've got to do something. And then I think it was two days after that, I started the podcast. I pressed record. And then I think it was a few days after that, I was like, no, I need proper, proper help. The podcast isn't going to, solve everything quickly that's when i phoned up and spoke to the doctor mm. when saw them and they went you've got severe depression and anxiety um the therapist told me that i had uh ptsd which i never thought i could have because i was in the RAF regiment and i wasn't like under severe contacts like the Marines and the powers and things like that. So I was always that guy that was like, no, I can't have that. I, I haven't seen someone get their legs blown off. I haven't done this, but I never understood the workings of the mind. Like mm. it didn't have to be that it could have been anything that happened in, in my, in my past when I was growing up, it could have been anything. And then all of a sudden it's all come at once. And it was it was down to me leaving leaving the military. I, I lost that sense of purpose, that sense of belonging, as they always say. Yeah, being being surrounded by my mates. I'm lucky that some very close friends of mine were actually in the same squadron, same regiment as me, and they literally live down the corner. So if I'm ever in real shit state, I could have just phoned them up and said, "You fancy a beer? I need a chat." I never did mm. that because, again, too proud, too too scared to say to my mates. I'm in shit state. There's a couple, couple of things, isn't there? There's like, I know loads, the lads look out for the lads, but the last thing I want to do when I'm feeling down is ring one of the lads and, and start dripping and say that I'm, I'm hanging out. So yeah, yeah like I, I don't say anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the Navy SEALs did a, did a, a sort of, they had a look at lads and they, it was anyone that had been in contact is a hundred percent rate of, of having PTSD, um, whether whether things were showing or not. So I mean, I'm I'm the same. I'm like, yeah, I'm okay, I'm okay. But 
like I know just just from the statistics that mm. there are there are snags there. Like we're yeah, all, yeah. You know, I, 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 um, I would never say that I was like really super bad with it, if that makes sense. I was never like I, I was not getting flashbacks. I'm not jumping out of my skin every time there's a fucking car backfire or anything like that. Mm. I was my mine tend to stem a lot into anger and frustration and and being anxious and stressed like all the all the time and yeah that that would affect my loved ones the most where like i would be angry like snap of a finger like i my eldest or my youngest would bear in mind they would have probably been about four and and almost a new four and two when I first got like sort of diagnosed with it, they would drop a fork on the floor or something, and that was like that. I'm super angry, super aggressive, and it's like, what am I doing? They're kids. Mm. You're fun to be around. I was, not, I was yeah, but like yeah. that would be set off like that, and it was like my wife and kids would have to tiptoe around me because it's like I don't know yeah. if he's just gonna be set off. Like I'm not the most I'm, I'm just a grumpy old man now you know what i mean i'm just i love i love a laugh and a joke and i like, I like that sort of thing and i was always wary of myself like am i gonna get like driving like I, I like most men i get a bit of fucking road rage from time to time but it was like every time i got in the car some cunt would like be going 20 mile an hour and, and i'll be like why are you going to like shouting and the kids would be like what's the matter with dad it's like you know, my, my bro said something yesterday. He said, "He said, you know, I think it's funny how like, any if anyone if anyone's driving slower than you, that you know they're an idiot. And if anyone's driving faster, yeah. they're, they're a maniac." That is right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like it's always that one. You like zooms past. He's probably only going about thirty-five, but he zooms past you, and you're like, "Well, he's definitely not going thirty mile an hour, is he?" <laughs> it's like, well, no, obviously he's not. He's just overtaking you. I, I literally did it on the way. I got some fuel, and I was just dropped my mother-in-law off at work i was driving home and uh on the way into my village it's a it's a national speed limit road and, the, and these people mm-hmm. were going like 30 mile an hour and i was behind them going why are you going fucking 30 what are you doing go 50 like and i was like i got home and i was like why am i doing that there's no need i'm not in a yeah. rush i'm not in a rush the thing the thing is right if you like there is absolutely no way that you can change how other people drive, right? So if someone's driving slower, yeah. you can't, you know, like, and it's the only person getting bothered by it is is you, you know. So it's you just gotta like <laughs> you do you, let other people do them. You know, they yeah. want to drive slow, and it's it like it might it might add two minutes to your journey. Yeah, but I, like, I, I will did. waste two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> easily. Yeah. So it's it's all yeah. It's, um, I try, yeah, try not to. I saw a change in myself today. Um, This is a genuine, like, massive change. for. I I have time anxiety. So Mm. it it must have been from the military because if I'm, I'm always early to things. I'm never, I try never to be late. I'm always trying to be that early that I can't be late. Um, And my missus is complete opposite. So she's so laid back with time like she'll say she'll give me a time 
and then I will start pacing if we're getting close to that time and she's not ready. I get, I turn into a right knob. I'm like, can you fucking hurry up? But this morning we got into the car and we were running a bit late. My, uh, my eldest has um, like a maths tutor in the morning. Mm. And we were, we were, well, we were going to be late. So we got in the car. She's supposed to be there at eight and we got in the car at eight. And for the first time ever, I sat back and went, well, you can't be any later than you're already, you're already late. You can't, it doesn't matter. I went, you're already late. So we're late. Yeah. And I, was, and I, I started driving. I went, I never said that before. I would normally, I would try and speed to get there. What, what caused anything caused that change? You know what? I don't even know. I literally, uh, it just, something just sort of sparked this morning. I was like, you're already late. doesn't matter. Is that, yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, thought about it and I was like, I've never done that before. So no, that, that's, that's, that's a good what, sign, mate. Yeah. And like I said, like time anxiety is always a big thing for me. I, I, I literally, it literally makes me pace and get nervous and snappy. Mm. But yeah, this, this morning, even in, during the build up, I was sort of just waiting. I was flicking through my phone. Yeah. Because I, I knew the girls were just being, well, my youngest was being a pain in the ass. She has to dress as an Egyptian today. Um, it's Egyptian day. And she hated her outfit. Oh, right. And oh, whatever. She was just being a knob. Like, my wife bought her an outfit, a proper outfit off Amazon. And because the age range was between seven and nine, she's eight. She was like, it doesn't fit me properly. It's like, well, no, you're not nine. So it's not going to fit perfect. You're, yeah. not, you're not a big eight-year-old either. She was like, oh, it's itchy. So she ended up wearing a white T-shirt, white leggings, and put the little clippy bits that came with the outfit on. She looked pretty cool, to be fair. I thought she looked good. I was yeah, like, it's, yeah. not, it's not a fucking contest. But she was like dragging her feet. She was refusing to put her shoes on. I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to let that go today. I'm, it's recording day, so I'm, a, I'm in a happy place. Like, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Kids, mate. Fucking pain in my ass. Love them to bits, <laughs> but they are... At, at times they're a lot like my missus and at times they're a lot like me. So a lot of the time it's like arguing with a tiny version of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I just had, um, I've just seen my, my older bro, my older bro's got three little girls. Um, and yeah, it's, it's always quite chaotic. I'm like exhausted watching, watching yeah, other people parent. Yeah. It definitely was like, they're getting a lot better now. They're getting older. Um, but my, my eldest has, she does have anxiety as well. And she's now coming into her final year of primary school. So she's got her SATs tests mm. and, and whatnot. And every time you tell her it's a test, she melts. Like, yeah, she can't do Mate, it. Honestly, honestly, that, that breathing technique, a longer exhale, it is, is awesome. I'll, and I'll, you, could, I'll, you could do it for two minutes. You I'll could set, it, set your time on your phone for two minutes. Just close, close your eyes, two minutes, and just just concentrate. Just count in for three, out for six, and it'll just you'll feel better after that two minutes. Yeah, it's, it's just like it is. There's probably there's probably not really much else that you could do. You could literally just do in two minutes that has yeah. such a positive impact. It's like a reset button. That's a, that's a good idea, actually. I never I've never really looked into like breathing techniques or meditation and things like that. I've I've always been mm. very skeptical hippo with that. I'm like. Mm. 
But well, there's a guy, the, the meditation I follow is, is a guy called Sam Harris, and he's a neuroscientist. And basically, he's saying, look, there's a lot of, uh, yeah, he's, he's saying there's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of benefit in this, in this Eastern philosophy, Eastern beliefs, but it is wrapped up with a lot of other stuff. And he's extracting that. He's, you know, obviously, he's a neuroscientist, he's, he's very logical, and he's saying this, this has a beneficial impact. Yeah. And like me and my brother, have been, we've been meditating on a regular basis for let's say a year and a half, maybe, maybe longer now. Um, and we just notice it all the time in day to day. It's like, it's like you're almost watching yourself as a different person. And sometimes when I'm, when I'm low and I'll, I'll, I love chocolate, I'll be eating chocolate. And it's yeah. like, it's like watching a dog that's got into the food bag and I'm aware of it, but yeah. I'm watching it happen as well. It's, it's almost this, You've got a little bit of distance from it, so um, it's it's a beneficial it's a yeah beneficial yeah, practice. It's definitely something I'm gonna I'll I'll pass on to. That I've been trying to do lots of different little techniques that I've learned mm. that helped me. Um, one one of them I got off um, Inner Armour was um, your best day. So you have to think of your best day. So it starts. What time do you wake up? And a lot of the time people go, well, I don't know, half eight. I've got work, and mm. it's like. No, it's your best day. What well, you can do anything. You can wake up anywhere. You can have a lie in if you want. It could be it could be a forty-two hour day instead of a or, or whatever. Um, but obviously, I was I did that with with her. That that works a little bit. Um, and I I went and bought her a um a, literally a journal. I went mm. any any time you feel happy or sad or you want to relax before you go to go to sleep, just jot words down in your diary she was like did you do that and i actually did do that on on tour um yeah i used to have a little tour diary i used to write things in most of the time i had bits about people that were annoying me it's like mm-hmm. so and so's a fucking dickhead wouldn't get the mail today something trivial like that but i was like it helps it helps just clear your head a little bit and yeah the breathing technique is definitely something else i'm gonna bring in I'd love it if we had, if I was a bit closer to like to the sea and things like that. Because I'd love to just go yeah. into the sea and get a cool dip. We do, we do literally around the corner. There's a a lake and they've got some open, I say open water, but lake swims and things like that. I was looking into that. It's it's very beneficial to either be to be in on looking at the water. Whether yeah. and whether that's oh, a lake, it, a river, yeah, the sea. Yeah, very peaceful. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, definitely, definitely having water, <laughs> water. Like I, I love surfing. I love being. I mean, um, I mean, a marine liking water is kind of, <laughs> kind of a given. <laughs> in the job description. <laughs> yeah. I love getting in ice cold water. <laughs> I tell, yeah. I've seen a few people get um, get the ice bins now. Like yeah, I've seen that. Like a, an actual bin. That they've just filled with cold water and ice. And I was like, that's it, that's a good idea. I went, but I was looking at my bin and I was like, I don't think I'd fit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that, but I've got I've got the river swale outdoors and it's it's so fresh, it's so clean. Um it's it's like it's it's like you're on an adventure when you go running yeah. through the woods, that's cross nice. through the river, and it's it's a lot more exciting than having 
having a bin full of ice bin, that you're climbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair, I'm that, I'm that yeah. close to to London. I, I don't think our rivers are very nice. Nah. <laughs> but to be fair, I'm also not very far away from Folkestone, Dover, Margate, so I could yeah. pop down there and have a swim in the sea. But I'm all, I'm also like it's really cold. Yeah, do it's not it's not that you want to do it. Me and my, me and my brother were chatting about this this morning. It's not that you want to do it. Like it's it's not you want to get in the cold water. It's you enjoy the feeling after more yeah, than yeah, it's, like it's if I it's a good recovery thing, isn't it as well? Well, I I woke up this morning. I ran ran down through the woods, through the river, back in, and and that and I feel way more better than I would have done if I just got up, had a hot shower, put my clothes on. So it's it's not that I want like no one wants to go running. No one enjoys it. No one wants to get in cold water. If they do, but the yeah, (laughs) but the the feeling from it was like I felt way better than I would have done. Like what I want to do is stay in bed. Yeah, like it's it's um and it so it's really this. You've you've kind of got to mug yourself off a little bit and go. This isn't and and the thing is that our morning routine, it's you need to see morning light. You need to get the morning light in your eyes right at the very start of the day because that stops melatonin production. We, we run off light and temperature. And if you can warm up your body, um, you just kickstart your circadian rhythm by having having a, yeah, yeah. a and, and the morning routine can literally be five minutes. It can be outside back in and you've got that morning light. You've warmed up the core and that's that's it doesn't have to be anything crazy, but it's like trying to have the most optimal way of starting the day. Sounds fucking awesome. I don't, I, to be fair, I, I'm super lazy in the morning, uh, as you probably understand. <laughs> every, every, everyone's super lazy because we have this primal desire to conserve energy. Yeah. And I definitely need a kickstart in the morning. I, I When I'm on regular human work, I'm up at half five. And I start, start work at six. So during the summer months it's all right like yeah sun's starting to come up as i'm going into work it's just a, it's the fucking winter ones where it's dark dark when i start work dark when i come home from work it's gray and raining <laughs> summer yeah. summertime it's nice it's like i'm gonna get out i'm gonna especially i work i sort of swap and change between working in my office and, and walking around the site that i manage so it's during the summer, it's definitely less in the office, more around the site, which which is mm. beneficial. Because I know I know exactly how bad it is when you're cooped up in in an office, and even even going back to when I was in Bastion, my, I was in uh, the command center was my final tour. They wanted to keep me a bit safer, um, so I was on HQ flight because I had already put my papers in to leave. Mm. I was on HQ. I was in the I was in the uh, comms comms ops, but it was literally it was a lot. It was a bit a massive version of this shed with no fucking windows, no no light, and even if you went out to the toilet, it was like fucking that's fucking bright. And I really struggled a lot. Like every now and then, I'd get severe migraines and and all sorts. It was like I need to, yeah. you need to have some sort of. I was in there for like twelve hours a day. Occasionally get to go out to the toilet or if I was if I was 
asked to go and get the meals for the for the ops room i'd go and do that it's like that that's i i actually enjoyed doing that because i could get out of this fucking hot box yeah yeah but it, towards towards like the middle towards the end they, they started delivering them to us so someone would drive in with the fucking meals and it's like this is annoying that was my time to get out horrible but so yeah, yeah. That, and yeah i remember i remember leaving i'd have to like even early in the morning, if I was doing the night round, leaving in a, I'd have to put me glasses on to walk anywhere, like my sunglasses, because my eyes just weren't used to any sort of natural light. Nah, it's it's, it's not it's not a, a good in good working environment. You need to you need to be getting outdoors as much as you can, and whether that's if you're working in an office, but you can just on your break, you can just get outside. Yeah, um, I, I I agree. I agree. Uh, yes, I think I think we the sort of the way. I mean, it's good. There's there's been benefits from the lockdown with people working from home. Um, I don't like the the sort of office working environment. No. Um, but it's I think we end up putting ourselves in such a detrimental position because you're sitting on a screen for eight, ten, twelve hours a day, but then when you have a break, you're sitting on your phone, yeah, scrolling through Instagram. <laughs> And it's the brain cannot differentiate between when you're working and when you're sitting looking at that screen. And I think in, in sort of today's society, we've lost these times where times to be bored, you know, and that's where the brain can kind of have a break and chill because otherwise we, we end up pushing ourselves into like into burnout because yeah. we're on, we're on screens all the time. We're not taking a break from it. We're not allowing our, our minds to have a rest um and it's it's the level up we're keeping ourselves in this sustained level of stress and then yeah. and then yeah we're hitting burnout it's not a healthy not a healthy place spot to be on, mate. Spot on. so you go you go from sitting beyond a, a screen looking at your computer you have your break you're looking at your phone and you go back in and so on and repeat you then then you go home and watch netflix yeah then you go home and sit and watch the telly for yeah. another four hours or whatever it is or play the xbox now that that is a dangerous thing the xbox like if you're on a game like i i've completed now um the assassin's creed vikings i even got the two expansion packs it sounds good if i was if i was into games I, that's definitely it was, it was that, that sounds like the sort of game i'd want to be playing it was fucking I've, ne- I've never had a never had a games console i don't have a tv you're 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 my spirit animal I need to be more. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this game, mate, seriously, you can go from being an actual, like a proper Viking where you're just smashing people up for fun, or you can go full Assassin's Creed and like be sneaky and go on the roofs and assassinate people, which is brilliant. But like you said, with your cars, even with the Xbox, you can get into some sort of flow state on there where you don't realize you've been playing it for like five hours. Yeah. And you're like, shit, where's the. T- I was supposed to go to the gym, but I've been fucking <laughs> <laughs> beating up Ivor Ragnarsson. <laughs> it's easy to let time run away. And it's, um, I think you got to just, so what I've just written down, like I notice it gets to the end of the day and I've not done the things I wanted to do, but just kind of being, as Tim Ferriss would say, micro ambitious and just literally choosing two things that I want to get done today. Yeah. Just two things I want to do for me. And then two things that I need to get done, you know, two bits of admin. Um, 
And then anything on top of that is a bonus. But if I prioritize those and get those in the bag, then it doesn't matter what I do with the rest of the time. Yeah, I think yeah. very, it's, it's always very easy to, to, I mean, yeah, like, like that's to start a game and then, and then you take, you take up that time that and is. then, and then you're missing the things that you should, you know, you sort of need to, and it's, you need to get the gym in first, but you don't want to because you're tired. Yeah, and it's yeah. like, oh, this ain't fun. I don't want to go to the gym. It's, um, it's, I've, it's I've had a big, I've had a very a big struggle trying to get myself back into the gym. I, I kind of fell out. I, I basically injured my elbows last year, and I've it, it just put me off lifting. Um, and so, we always want to do things the best we can. In that, we have this all or nothing mentality. Yeah, and I've had this idea that like, it'd be nice to run to the gym, do my training, run back, but. I had to just literally cut out everything and make getting me to the gym as easy as possible. Yeah. Have a coffee, eat a chocolate bar, drive to the gym, get in the gym and do 10 reps or something. And then well done and leave just to start building, you know, that consistency over intensity, get the consistency in place first, right? I'm going back to the gym on a regular basis. Now we can start building the routines. Then yeah. we can look at maybe running to the gym, but the, I think if you look at what you want to get done and all the focus is on making that as easy as possible. Um, and it's this all enough mentality of like, you know, if someone wants to get into running, like uh, they think they have to go for a 30 minute run. Yeah, You could literally yeah. just go for a two minute run. I'm like that. Just do. I'm like that. I, I, I would, I will say, right. I need to go. I'm going to go for a run. And then I'll do a little bit around this. Like I said, around my site, and then I look at it and I'm like, I've only done like 2K. But 2K is better than nothing. Yeah, exactly. But in my head, I'm like, I've only only done 2K instead of going, yeah. I've done more than no K. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And the same goes, with, like you said, with the gym. You ha Sometimes I have to make myself go. Sometimes I really want to go. And then I have a really good workout. But it's the days where I'm like, I can't really be bothered. Like, it's so easy. If on my days off, I occasionally, like I said, drive my uh, mother-in-law to her work. So where she works is actually where my gym is. So in theory, I could drop her off, go to the gym, then go home. Yeah. But in my head, I'm like, I'll drop her off, I'll go home, have some breakfast, and then I'll come back. And then next thing I know, <laughs> it's like one o'clock, and I'm like, well, I probably should go to the gym. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, detrimental. But is it because it's like we, we put so much pressure on ourselves, like, you, you, you know, it's like, well... If I, if I go back and have something to eat, then I can go do an hour in the gym and I can do a proper yeah. good session. Whereas really what would be better is drop the, drop the mother-in-law off, go in the gym for 10 minutes yeah, and, and then leave. And then that's at least you've, whether you go back to the gym after you've had something to eat and do a proper workout or not, at least you've done something and something, yeah, exactly. something's better than doing nothing. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So before we, um, we, we finish off, because I don't want to take up any more of your time, I've got to quickly say that we actually have a, a common friend in Ben Johnson, who I believe served with you in the Marines. And he yeah. said, you guys used to have uh, like little arguments about who had the better dress sense and who was the most essence. I told him he, he, had, bring that up. <laughs> he had the better dress sense than me. I think it was, it was, it was Ben that kind of taught me about, obviously not, not, <laughs> not this is my mate's teacher. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, jump it. Ben, I remember buying my first diesel t-shirt because of Ben. 
And I was yeah. like, okay, fashion's which, fashion's which, a thing. Which but, is strange because he's from Hereford and we're all backwards <laughs> in Hereford. The, yeah. The fashion game doesn't really exist. <laughs> mine, mine was mine was non-existent, but that was more because I'm a tight Yorkshireman and being fashionable is expensive. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah but, so I think Ben, yeah, Ben had better dress sense than me, I'd say, but I think that's that that's as far as it went. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, he's, he sent me a message This is when you were supposed to come on the first time. And he said, oh, here you've got Jim coming on. Um, you have to bring this up. So I, I promised him I'd bring it up. Um, and I have done that. So there we go. Winning, winning. What have you got <laughs> planned for the rest of the day, big man? So me and my little bro, we, we do these motorbike trips where we're combining our passions of magic and history and living on living on the motorbikes. Um essentially ride from one location to another location along the way telling the history of who's been there before us and then performing magic to the people we meet um and we're, we're prepping we're off to greece on monday uh so we're, we're prepping for that trip now and we've been invited on a tv show so we've got a, a thing in manchester on sunday so it's looking things are looking like they're going to ramp up a little bit which is which is awesome um and we just need to get these start getting these adventure documentaries edited so we can push push them out and and oh, in in them it's it's sort of spreading spreading the word raise, raising awareness raising money for rock to recovery and reorg with the, that's, the, the that's motorbike awesome. adventures that's awesome so yeah well, prep, you, prep you, for that you better do some prep for that um yeah have, have a good uh, one mate Gen genuinely thank you um as always, it's been my honour, my privilege to have you on. It's been a, a, a brilliant chat. I could literally chat for longer, but Mrs. is... What have you got for the rest of the day? Uh, I've got to take the girls for an eye test. Um, and then they've got gymnastics later. So I'll be taking them to gymnastics. And hopefully I can get myself to the gym properly and break another punch bag like I did last night because I'm so powerful. Yeah, nice. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, hit, hey, I literally what, after, I hit it and it snapped and I I looked around. There was a couple of girls in there that looked a bit shocked and I was like thinking to myself, looked impressed. They looked impressed. Like, yeah. yeah, I was like, I'm <laughs> you, you know I'm powerful, <laughs> <laughs> mate. Well, thanks. Thank you for having me on. And yeah, um, so, what I say is like after after this when we, when we close down, just do that. Do two minutes of the breathing. Just give it a go and let me know what yeah, you we'll think. We'll do. We'll do. I'll let you know. Um, and I'll pass All it on right, to my, my eldest as well, because I'm sure she'll do it. She well, hopefully, hopefully it can be a benefit. Yeah. James, cheers very much. Cheers very much. Not the best way to Yeah, start. cheers very much. Cheers <laughs> very much. For having me on. I'll catch you in a bit. Enjoy right, the rest cheers. of your day, mate. Cheers. Thank you.